Hello there guys, it's Liam from the Bad Taste Buds podcast. And really quickly, before we start today's episode, I want to take a few moments of your time just to tell you about your chance to win some fantastic prizes in our first official giveaway. Now to celebrate the release of our first couple of episodes, and to thank you for all your extraordinary support and response to our Troll 2 episode, we are giving you the chance to win a Blu-ray edition of Troll, the complete collection, which includes Troll, Troll 2, the important one. And Best Worst Movie, which is a fantastic documentary. If you've listened to our Point 5, you'll know all about that. It is a great addition to any collection. And all you have to do to enter is go to our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. And like, share, and comment on the giveaway post. It's really easy to see. It's got the word giveaway about like six, seven times plastered on it. So you really shouldn't miss it. Now, entries will close on the 14th of February. And the winner will be announced on the 15th of February. Uh, Entries are limited to European listeners at the moment. And with all that being said, I wanted to thank you again for the support and hope you enjoy today's episode. How do we know she is alive? I hate when people talk during the movie. No wire hangers ever! You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Your stupid minds! Stupid! Stupid! Relax. It's all in bad taste. Hello there, my fellow showgirls. It's Liam from Bad Taste Buds, and welcome to Aftertaste, the sideshow where we dig deep into the sordid past of your favorite best worst movies. And joining us today, we have the full crew. We've got Jack. Give us a little uh, hi there, Jack. Hello, I'm waving again. He's not waving again. And with, <laughs> and with Jack, we've got Hannah. Hello. And last but not least, we've got... Shit, that got an upgrade, didn't it? What got an upgrade? That little intro there. <laughs> Look at this. Flash. I've been, pra- been practising. Practising well. Yeah, we're all very impressed. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> sorry, if you haven't listened to our 1.5 episode on best worst movie documentary, uh, I am going to give you a quick rundown of what we do here at Aftertaste. Um, what separates these from our main episodes is that uh, here we like to be a little bit less formal, if that's possible, and a little bit less structured again, if that is possible. Despite oh, how God. Liam sounds right now. I know, I'm, I'm reading <laughs> very clearly from a script, if you can't tell. <laughs> um, what we want to do is discuss kind of the, the uh, behind the scenes of some of our favourite Best Worst films, be that checking out the making of features, uh, taking a, d- a deep dive into how some things got made, or even watching some documentaries on said films in question. And on the chopping block today, we've got uh, Showgirls again, obviously our 2.5 episode, we're calling it, uh, based on the 2020 documentary, You Don't Know Me, which we've all just kind of sat down and watched, which for my money, I think is a pretty uh, multifaceted and balanced analysis of such a fantastic Best Worth film. I, from personal experience, I can say I enjoyed it a lot. We're kind of going to get an idea of what oh, yeah. again. What an excellent documentary. You know what, so far, both documentaries that I've seen on the bad movie have been so much better than the actual movies that were based on by the leaps and bounds. I don't know if that's because I'm comparing it to Showgirls and Troll. fucking mouth. Uh, (laughs) Okay, were the two documentaries not excellent? They were excellent. Yeah, if you haven't, um, if you have got a chance to see this, it's on Amazon Prime. Little little sponsor. And can I just say, it's £4.50. Currently, Lord of the Rings Return of the King Extended Edition is £3.50. So make make your choices. Jack's very, very bitter about this, as you can tell. £4.50? Fuck me. But he stayed awake. So that's... um, that's, Yeah, it's still here. Yeah, that's a a good, like, positive criticism. Yeah, it's quite late. It's time yet. Um, What I want to start with, guys, is just to get... uh, Obviously, Ryan, you, you positive feelings all around. Guys, what did you think about the film? Did you enjoy it? Did you hate it? 
I loved it. I think I love the film as well. You know, every, every day since I've watched it, I've, I've, I've thought about it. And then rewatching this is just re- reinforced <laughs> every, every single, day. Every, every single day. Every day. So to be dramatic, fair, fucking... it was about six days ago. So for six days straight, guys. You've just been having Normie Malone related nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> and he's Jack to bring the tour down. Your sleep paralysis demon is Normie Malone on that pole licking it up and down just continuously. <laughs> Oh, and it still makes my skin crawl. What, what, did Jack, did you, did you not like the documentary? Were you no, not? the documentary was good. I think it had quite a decent sort of weighted argument for and against on both sides. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I liked, I can't remember who it was that said it, but like you can't look at this as a good film or a bad film. Mm-hmm. You've got to look at it as a as a balancing act. And I kind of get what they're talking about as we discussed, yeah. like the filming, cinematography, there's so many well done aspects about it, but obviously the script is dog shit. <laughs> and... Is it satire if you have to tell someone it's satire? The documentary likes to focus on that point, I think, about whether or not this is good satire. It, it goes quite in-depth um, as far as Verhoeven. Uh, it kind of hinted into his history as a director and his kind of history with directing American films as well, obviously, as a, as a Danish um, filmmaker. Uh, it, it's one of, the, one of the main aspects is Verhoeven, and I think the other one's probably Berkeley, from my money. I think they, they do quite a good uh, reading on her as an actress and, and kind of where she came from and how she kind of adapted it and what happened after the fact. They also touch on Gina a bit. Gina Gershon, yeah. Um, they don't really mention her as much as I think I would have liked. They do have like a, a few snippets from kind of the, um, the promo footage from the film. Yeah, it's more of a very brief love letter to her, isn't it? They mention, obviously, her kind of intentions going in. Like she played it as a drag queen and, and there's that, that element to it. Yeah, she got the MO, didn't she? Yeah, pretty much. So from... My perspective, the film kind of goes through um, Verhoeven. I think probably he's a good place to start. How do we think the, the, the documentary framed him as far as how you think the actors under him worked, how you think he worked kind of as a director? I, from my money anyway, you, you see a lot of elements that you can tell he's quite a problematic. I don't want to say a problematic human being, but as far as a problematic director, he probably seems like he'd be a troubled person to work under. I don't know how I feel about Van Hoeven, I'll be honest. Well, that's not his name. It's not his name to start with, so this is a I don't know how I feel about him either. <laughs> was he from the Netherlands as well? Was that just a very sweeping statement? Of Van Hoeven, it's the yeah. Transformers version of... It's the Dutch Van Houtens. <laughs> he came out like 20 years after saying he was the one that pushed Elizabeth Berkeley to act in the way that she acted, but he didn't come to her defence straight away. And, and after watching that and seeing the different ways that he portrays women, it's, it's either one or the other. He's either trying desperately to make it so that they can take on anything or he's completely against him and he's he doesn't really see women as a thing. He just, the, the sort of this abstract... Props almost, yeah, yeah. like this abstract thing to him that he just doesn't quite understand or get or, or merge with. And I, I don't know, he's... he's He's a Martian. Is it the nails thing again? Is it the nails conversation? The nails, <laughs> the chips, and the burgers, and the dog and food, the dog food, and the brown rice, and the vomiting, and the vomiting, and the, you know, the dog food's a big one because uh, you kind of see scenes from earlier films, don't you? Where he's mentioned dog food before. I think you're right, Hannah. He's just not a human being, is he? He's just nah. There's just there's nothing human about him. But I think kind of what you were you were taking on there, Jack. This idea of the duality of it that it can be bad and it can be good. Can Verhoeven be both sexist and misogynistic at the same time? Is that possible? The critics. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm just thinking of that community episode, Nicolas Cage, good or bad. Good or bad, yeah. (laughs) Impossible. I'm going to do a retake of that because I just realised I said sexist and misogynistic instead of feminist and misogynistic. So I'm going to retake that. Um, it's it's that duality I think that Jack you pointed out before that that idea of this is this is from good and bad at the same time in the same element can <laughs> Verhoeven be both feminist and misogynistic at the same time sorry I was just thinking of that community episode Nicolas Cage good or bad <laughs> <laughs> I'm a cat I'm a sexy sexy cat <laughs> 
I think the critics give him a lot of the benefit of the doubt with him being a big director with a lot of successful movies. Um, they're really willing for the most part to go out on the limb and be like, yeah, De Hoven? You got me <laughs> talking to him now, Hannah. Van Hoven to Van Hoven to Dorven. They portray him as a brilliant mind for the most part and way ahead of his time, like, push the boundaries, even with his Dutch films. They were very frontal and didn't portray the country in the best light. And you see that with America, a lot of his films are... Yeah, I don't want to say anti-American, but they do show the problematic mm. side of America. Yeah. yeah, you could take some of his works as a Black Mirror-esque sort of... Definitely. Uh, a massively exaggerated form of what America is, I suppose, like the Robocop and the police brutality. Mm. Um, what was the other one as well? Obviously, Showgirls is just like Las Vegas sexuality. Yeah. Or Starship Troopers. I haven't seen it. It's a fully it. white cast. Well, there is that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Again, going by circling back to the problematic elements of it. <laughs> Uh, Starship Troopers, I think, for my money, is a satire of society again and, and, and kind of the idea of nuke them all. It's a very much, we will go in and take out indigenous races and colon. It's a, it's a, col- it's a colonialist satire, if anything. Colonizer. Um, but I think you're right, Ryan. Like, what they pick up on, even even the critics who panned the film and said they hated it were always like, acting, not necessarily bad. Direction, exceptional. The, the, the woman, uh, one of the female critics, she picked up on the screenwriter being the problem. I think someone said, oh yeah, the screenwriter is definitely the problem. It's not Verhoeven. He can't, he couldn't possibly be this virtuoso who's the problem. It's, the dean is a genius. The dean he is. Must, <laughs> he must be, or else I just wasted five days of my life. Well, the show Gas Carter, one of the critics on there, really didn't rate it at all. She called it pathetic, explained how it was pretty banal, the story plot. It belonged mm. on a Lifetime movie. Nothing about was imaginative or great or groundbreaking and as a basic narrative she's kind of not wrong oh no she's not wrong at all uh, this is the thing the film does have all of those problems and I think the documentary what the documentary does so well is it gives you these perspectives of people who are part of the cult of appreciation who do worship this film and it also gives you the perspective of people who think it's dog shit I don't think anyone's here to argue that this film isn't seen from both perspectives you know what I fucking hate right the fact that this movie is hated, or people think that it is brave because of the sex in it, and because it's so full on with the sex, it's too much and it's too in your face. I want to disagree so bad and say it is not fucking, you are not stunning, you are not brave for having sex in movies and TV, and I get the extent and the level that he's went to, but it's sad that the fact that it is dramatic and almost groundbreaking because of the level of sex, it shouldn't be like that. Do you not think that's more of a criticism of the culture rather than the film? Both, like, the, the I think it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be a point where they're like, this is something extraordinary and out of the box because so much sex... That, that's again, not right. Again, I feel like that's more of a criticism of the culture rather than the film. The film is allowed to do whatever the fuck it wants. The film is allowed to express itself however it wants. However, culture... It dic- does. Well, yeah, this is the thing. It, it doesn't hold back. Verhoeven as a director... Again, I think we, we kind of covered this on the main episode quite a lot. I don't want to get too much into it, but Verhoeven did mention he likes to push on. He likes yeah, to push on. himself a child. But he, that was just the state of affairs, wasn't it? it I, exactly. I, I, I get what you mean, Ryan. Like, it's, it is crazy that like violence and murder, which are illegal crimes... Uh, glorified in cinema whereas sex which is not a crime if it's consensual is yeah it just doesn't I feel like the sex in this a lot of the sex in this film it should be be (laughs) yeah I was about to say (laughs) sex is not a uh, actually there was that scene yeah there was a few uh, even even the consensual sex scenes in this film should be criminal like I don't think anyone should be allowed to have sex the way Elizabeth Berkeley has sex with people in this film like (laughs) in (laughs) a (laughs) bit of 
<laughs> like she's going to eat them afterwards. Like she's a fucking praying mantis. <laughs> but I don't think you can deny that Van Hoven is definite. The Hoven. Let's do that one again. <laughs> but I don't think you can deny. I don't think you can deny that the Hoven. I think Hoven. If you look. It's like 30 degrees, his name's on the TV. <laughs> I think your um, running joke this podcast is going to be you not... You did this... You did this Thanks for pointing that out, Liam. You did this in the actual episode as well, where you continuously called Gina Gershon, Gina... What would you say, like... And it'll be the episode before, Gershon. and the episode the after, Vases. and the episode after that, and the episode after that. It's for say. It's yeah. Pronunciations yeah. aren't my thing, guys. But I don't think there's any sort of debate that he is a brilliant... Mm. director i mean you've got some of the scenes and, and they went into them in the documentary which i didn't even notice but i loved was the fact that that was the devil of death behind gina gershaw's shoulder um and how the musicals progress through time starts like caveman mm-hmm. then it moves on mm-hmm. then you see very modern day ones later on and there's the whole middle there's section the, the a whole panic. range <laughs> the middle and an end the documentary does like to kind of praise and admonish him, I think. I think there are, a lot, there are a lot of moments where they talk about how much damage he's done to female stars and their careers. He doesn't treat them well. They mentioned the basic instinct moment um, where Sharon Stone was ba- basically tricked into showing her vagina in that infamous... Oh, infamous scene. Infamous interrogation scene. Oh, where she, like, wait. We need to take a pause now and this is where we explain to Hannah what this scene is and then she'll be like, I have no idea and then she might be like, oh, actually, is. I, I didn't see that. I know what I've just never seen the film and it's all, but I, 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 I know of this scene, to be fair. So when it showed it, it, it did sort of trick a memory, which means, you know, I've never seen this film and I've seen that scene. So to think that she was pushed into that yeah. and it's become so iconic, I can't imagine how she must have felt when that sort of, when she first viewed that film and that scene came about. It must have been horrifying and and i think elizabeth berkeley came with a, a similar story you know she came out of this she she was from save the saved by the bell she was a very sort of sweetheart well i say sweetheart drug addiction and everything saved by the bell you never know but oh no she was a fucking so sweetheart she was she was loved by the i'm so excited <laughs> i'm so scared <laughs> but she comes out of this very you know she she basically didn't have a career for years and years and years yeah. and years afterwards in fact does she, does she have one, really? At but... the moment, I don't think anything's really resurfacing. For, I think, uh, Dancing with the Stars was the last really big thing she did. And that's almost like... And when was that? Du- that was like a dumping... I think it was like 20... Oh, I'm going to get the date wrong. Like 2017, 2018. And that's like, even that's like a dumping ground for ex-celebrities, bless them. Like, there's not... You're not really on the upward trend if you're on Dancing with the Stars. I mean, when she created this film, she said that she did it because it was a merge of things she loved. She loved to dance. She loved to act. Yeah. And she was very lucky to get to do something that she had a lot of love for. And... And so, yeah, to end up on Dancing of the Stars and things like that, and I've probably got the name wrong again, um, but it, it just seems a bit, yeah, and, and I think he is a, a big part of that. Um, I do love the way that she turned it around, though. I do love the fact that she came yeah. out and she said, you know, it was a bit of fun and I'm happy about it now. And, and She, she owns of, it, doesn't she? There's almost a story yeah, she where does. she owns it. Um, I think I like the fact that the documentary doesn't let Verhoeven get away with the shit he pulls. Like, it does praise him for everything he does right and it praises him for being a virtuoso director but it also doesn't kind of let him off the hook in a way and I think that's the sign of a balance and a good documentary for me I feel like he's so detached that it's impossible to tell his motives like if you look again the minority characters don't do so well the females don't come off Great, but then again, the white males don't no come off great either. <laughs> I mean, what were you saying? Some of films, sorry, Liam. No, no, what I was saying, what you, you were saying to me, Jack, about halfway through the documentary, you were like picking up on that point where it feels like it's from the perspective of a, of a teenager. Like, this doesn't feel like a grown man. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah, like the, the sex scenes and 
especially the kissing, I think. It's like what a 14-year-old teenage boy envisions sex and romance to be rather than what it actually is. Absolutely. Oh, what? Wait, what? what? <laughs> He's a Martian. Oh, right. He's an absolute Martian. Bring <laughs> um, him and Tony. Tony? Fuck me. Tony. Tommy Wiseau just like came in on the same craft. Best friends for life, <laughs> clearly. I would love to see a film directed by Verhoeven starring Tommy Wiseau, though. That would be oh, like, fuck, that would be the tits, man. But only if they both didn't know they were making a bad film. I also would never think he was making the but bad film. But with Tommy Wiseau as Elizabeth Berkeley's Yes, no me. Yes, yeah. no me. <laughs> <laughs> Coming out of that volcano. <laughs> Different places. <laughs> I was gonna, I was, that, was, that, was, that was actually better than Hannah's impression, at least from the other day. What do we think regarding... The, the, the film picks up... The documentary, sorry, picks up on a few elements of the wider universe that Showgirls almost created. Uh, it went on to kind of usher in the drag scene and a musical scene as well. These kind of people who picked up the film, I want to say at least, at least 15 years after the fact and kind of mutated it into something that was beneficial for them. So I've got to ask the question of whether or not we think ultimately Showgirls did more good than bad, perhaps. I'd agree. I would say that it did. I don't think it did for Elizabeth Berkeley, but I think for the community and for the people that it helped and for the things that... Um, what was the woman that did the acting? The a- was it April Kidwell? April Kidwell was the actress and she had quite a heart-wrenching story on the documentary where she talks about being sexually assaulted and how she used musical theatre and particularly her role as um, Elizabeth Berkeley's character in yeah. Saved by the Bell, whose name I'm forgetting. Um, Jesse Cartwright. Sorry. What kind you. of gear are you? I've never seen it. You've never seen it. Uh, uh, excuse me. <laughs> I will put this out oh, there well. now for everyone to hear, and I don't care who disagrees. You can go fuck yourself. Zach Morris is trash. So April Kidwell, yeah, she was, um, she kind of found a, a new kind of lease for life playing these roles. And I think it kind of brought her story and her kind of tragedy that happened to her kind of it was a way for her to cope and it, you, she used it as a coping mechanism yeah it seems to have like brought her personal power mm, which mm. i'm all yeah. for really and to be honest i get that elizabeth didn't have a good career afterwards but surely any film's a bit of a gamble especially mm. if you're going to be the lead role in a film if the film tanks you tank it's kind of you you're, you're codependent at that point aren't you to the success of the film yeah especially well, i mean surely every film by that metric is kind of a gamble and it's not necessarily the director's fault if it doesn't do well i don't, I don't know I mean, you get what I mean? I don't think you can oh, absolutely. blame Showgirls for that. That's just the look of the draw as an actor or an actress. I mean, one of the sad things about that is this, she felt like she had to do this movie to be able to break away from the teenage sweetheart role. She needed to do something raunchy to completely distinguish herself as an adult now. And A lot of people did. Like, they, they mentioned in the documentary, like, the same thing happened to Lindsay Lohan, um, other... Other people. Oh, there was a long, <laughs> there was quite a long Disney. list, and we all just drew a blank. <laughs> I was looking at him. I was just going, "God, what's the redhead one called again? Come on, what was she? She was in." Oh, we've all done yeah, Selena Gomez, like, oh, Lindsay Lohan, of course. Miley, Miley, obviously had a face. Basically, all the young Disney cast, really, bar like a handful. Yeah, you've got to get your tits out if you want to make it in Hollywood. That's Hillary. <laughs> Hillary. Yeah. Put, but Hillary Duff. That's going to be used against me she, in the future. I feel like that's going to someone's going to take that soundbite and ruin my career if this ever takes off. Yeah, because there's nothing happening in the news right now. <laughs> You're probably safe, mate. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to make a point. <laughs> I guess, like, I kind of made the point at the start. Like, is it satire if you have to tell people it's satire? Yeah, it should, it, some people could see this and just think, "Well, that is just a bad film." But satire, seeing it as a, a parody almost. Yeah, but satire is one of the higher forms of comedy in it. And fuck me, some of these people are dumb. But we also think that people didn't see it as satire only entirely because it was 
based on sex. It's more ridiculous, I think, in certain aspects than Starship Troopers with the flailing around, the emotions constantly at 100, people having bizarre reactions to everything. Some of the writing choices are just Mm. out of this world. And when you have that, it can obscure the message a bit. But I think after 25 years now, Mm. it has done a lot more good than any ill that I did back in the day I think we've come a long way since then I think being able to point out the issues like with minority characters and how he treats the actresses it still lends to the overall movie whether is this good or is this bad Just sort of beg, beg the question would this have been differently received had it been brought out this year well, like, you, you analyse film and TV now, and I think our approach to sexuality is a lot better. I don't want to say it's perfect, it's not. It's definitely like not perfect. Three Fifty Shades of Grey and post Fifty Shades of Grey. Is that like the, <laughs> no, is that like the BC and AD? Litmus test. Yeah, is that like the... Still never seen it. I, it's, I'll go where it's on the list. It's on the list. Oh, for fuck's <laughs> sake. And next episode, Why did I sign up for this? We're doing Cats, we're doing Fifty Shades. What was the other one we suggested before? Oh shit! Catwoman, Catwoman, Greenlander, maybe I don't know. Who knows? Uh, again, uh, other people who kind of benefited from it, there was a, a massive insurgence. They go into the documentary. They talk to a, a, a drag queen called Peaches Christ, who uses the show <laughs> as kind of a platform to do drag shows. And I think from the queer angle, from the queer aspect, a lot of people were saying, "Oh, it's a it's a expression of of what it means to be queer." Like Nomi represents a lot of queer personalities and a lot of how people in the LGBT community have been treated and how people in the LGBT community use sexuality in order to kind of elevate themselves. And I think that's, again, another positive angle for me that I'm glad the documentary went into. Because, again, there were a lot of angles that I didn't I didn't know about this before watching the documentary, that there were this many people who... I knew this was a massive cult film, but I didn't know there was this many facets of it. I personally came away thinking it, it, it did do more good than bad. But then there's that argument as well that is it... Has it just done some good? Like, was it was it may have been worth it, but it did also do some people some harm. Again, the nature of this documentary is this whole idea that it can be both. It can be both damaging. It can be positive. There's no such thing as a hundred percent positive or negative. That's it. Thing, is yeah, because yeah. Berkeley could have ended up in any movie half naked. This is just the one that she chose to do. This is it? I think the last point I want to cover. Sorry, Hannah, do you have something? No, I was, I was just about to say the the one thing that really angered me when when I watched the film is that a lot of the the critics or maybe not critics sorry but the people who covered the film when it first came out were commenting on 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 Elizabeth Berkeley's looks like you, it wasn't the acting it wasn't the directing stop, you literally stopped the documentary I was angry Damn, right. the first was, time I watched no that stopped it no, absolutely no need like the, the, you you're commenting on a film you should be commenting on how it's shot so how it's acted it the um, script it, not how somebody looked it was it was said by like some 50 year old stodgy white dude yeah it was well. um, Cisco and Ebert who uh, again to, to our English audience is probably not a big reference but in America Ebert is a what well, he was. He's, was. He's passed away now. He's, he was a massive film critic. He's probably one of the biggest. He sister. decided to say that Elizabeth Berkeley was hard around the eyes and not attractive at all, and that is firstly bullshit. Wrong. Yeah, because <laughs> Elizabeth Berkeley fucking stunning. Damn. Oh, she is. Yeah, you, she's still absolutely gorgeous as well. Like, but like this film is not sexy for a myriad of reasons, and the people in it are not one of them. No, absolutely no. not. But again, bringing us on to Berkeley, I think for me the kind of crowning jewel of this documentary is that it finally kind of gives her a moment of redemption. She gets her redemptive arc in the way that she is allowed to defend the movie and she's allowed to defend her choices and her performance. 
And she even gets, there's a beautiful moment when they screened this, I think it was 2015 when they screened this, um, to a group of like 4,000 people in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. And she managed to, she, she showed up, it was the first time she showed up to really do anything with reference to the film. And, and she get, got a standing ovation. She was just absolutely like, you see the love and you hear the love from the crowd. And it was, it was that moment where 20 years in the making, she finally got the... Redemption. Yeah. She almost. I, I metaphorically came and literally cried. <laughs> I think it's the same sort of catharsis that Verhoeven sort of talked about having at the Razzies, didn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. He got like seven Razzies, but he was one of the only directors who's ever turned up. Yeah, he good on him. Did it with a smile on his face, and he took it like he took it in his stride. Well, and, well, and he was just worst actress, worst screenplay, worst director, worst music, worst actor, and worst yes, worst song. Was the music for the really bad, careless whisper copy that I remember hearing halfway through it? There was like a really Oh, like, yeah. I can't remember what what scene it was in, but it was like so close, like almost copyrightable for Careless Whisper. Potentially, I, yeah, I, I, you know that, that went right over my head. But again, the film wore its Razzies on its sleeve like a badge of honor. They like re-released it with all the Razzies on the poster. I think what this documentary has shown me anyway is that Showgirls is a way to embrace best worst in it. It's a way to kind of elevate it into more mainstream, and it's it's a way to elevate it into a positive experience. But again, it's also a way to ruin people's careers. It's it's that that idea of duality, that nothing is simply black and white. Everything has elements of both. Everything's quite grey. I'm I'm quite happy I watched this. This came out this year. Um, I would recommend it to anyone who's seen the film. I wouldn't recommend it if people haven't. I think if you are listening to this, I don't know why you're listening to this if you haven't seen Showgirls by this point. Um, but if you haven't, I would say watch Showgirls and definitely put this on afterwards. It's a really good insight into the cult of appreciation for it why it's, it's binaries like good and bad aren't always appropriate for films some of them it will be you'll see next week when we review cats that sometimes it is appropriate <laughs> to say films are bad um but still love them because i'm gonna tell you why i kind of like cats next week i'm already yeah. angry i'm like, already furious that I'm <laughs> <to watch> this. <laughs> i can like i appreciate the message in this a lot more than i appreciate the execution what for the documentary oh fuck fuck no are you stupid Sorry, movie, Showgirls. Okay, okay. <laughs> that did seem to come out of the woodwork <laughs> a bit. Like, that wasn't just Liam. That was so just... So fucking sorry. I'm going to say that was my final take. If you guys want to do your final take on the documentary, whether or not we liked it. So unless I can take some kind of fucked up trip to Verhoeven's mind, I'm never going to be able to tell you where this lies on the shit Okay. With regards to the documentary, though, what do we feel? Do we think this is, like, again, I would say a positive experience? I enjoyed the documentary, despite not really enjoying the film. Uh, I think if you've seen the the film, it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, Personally, it was interesting to hear about the kind of subculture that has kind of originated around this film, because that was completely unbeknownst to me. Uh, That was quite interesting to hear, and it was quite interesting to hear, like, again, like how some people actually found Nomi relatable in their own way, which, again, totally kind of shocked me, but then again, you know, straight white male perspective isn't particularly enlightening I guess but it was you know, <laughs> get out of here you know. but, um, but it was interesting to see that some people found it the relatability of having to move away and start afresh and like you know rebrand yourself I suppose yeah but I think if, if you're not into best worst move, sorry if you're into best worst movies and other people aren't you want to get them into it I think showing them the You Don't Know Me documentary and the Troll 2 documentary is a really good way to educate them on why these movies can be praised and why they can be good. Yeah, I mean, I, from my perspective, 
I might be entirely wrong about this, but I don't know of any other really high profile. No, that's fine. No one cares if anyone. Humanities. <laughs> um, but yeah, spot on. I think, I think you're, you're dead on. I think we all enjoyed this. Hannah, what, do you have any kind of final thoughts on this? I really enjoyed it. I would definitely recommend it. And I think it really hits home that if a film comes out and there's an entertainment factor and people can find it entertaining, then it's it's done its job at the end of the day. That's what it's for. It's 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 there to entertain. And <laughs> both the, the showgirls and You Don't Know Me do that in, in very different ways. Um yeah, but, it's a good little double feature, I would say. If you are into bad movies, if you haven't seen Showgirls, stick them both on, grab some beers, and just kind of enjoy. Don't bother with tissues, though. Unless you... Oh, wait, unless you're... What a, was that? All lotion. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh. yeah you definitely went there. <laughs> you yeah. went there. Okay. You went there. Uh, thank you guys for joining us on this uh, episode of Aftertaste. We will be back next week with our episode for Cats. Um, if you have a chance to check out our social medias, please do. We're on Instagram... Twitter and Facebook and also check out the website at www.badtastebloods.com thank you very much I wasn't already yeah. taken shit sure.